Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. For those in North America, this is the week of the Thanksgiving holiday, which began as a day of giving thanks for the blessing of the harvest and the preceding year. My heartfelt thank you to you for joining me and for your commitment to being more skillful and to helping those around you with how they interact as well. And my thanks to friends and family and to Voice America for making this whole show possible. I'd also like to shout out to three people who excel in embodying the spirit of thanking others. It's at their core. And I have learned so much by observing and experiencing how you relentlessly acknowledge others. Uh, so to my friends and idols, Marshall Goldsmith, Alan Mulally, and Francis Hesselbein, thank you for how you exude giving thanks and showing how powerful it is to our human connection. And I'd like to welcome first my caller from New York City, Lori. Lori, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me. You know, I was going to ask a business question, but just uh, something personal has come up, and I'd like to ask you about this. Um, I have a son who's 28 years old, and he has had an anxiety disorder. I'm a professional. I run my own companies. I consult at a high level for CEOs, and um, I'm pretty good at navigating the world. And again, um, uh, recently, I believe he has bipolar disease. And this is a person that won't get on meds. And, um, you know, as I said, he's a young adult. And I was just wondering how, especially during the Thanksgiving time, do you allow someone to have the space but also really want them to take care of themselves in the way that you see they need to be at this moment? Oh, thank you for raising this. And um, I have some of this in my own personal life, so I'm particularly empathetic, and I know lots of folks out there um, have um, are dealing with things like this. Let me ask you, Lori, first and foremost, what just helped me with what's the conversation like about this with your son now? Is it a topic that's front and center? You've talked about a lot. Is it something where it's never brought up? Just help me with where you are now. Well, so he's had an anxiety a problem since being a child, and I have always been the one there, and I know the separation for me was key. Um, so he recently, through the pandemic, moved back in with some other of my adult children. So we're all living together for the first time in a really long time, which has been mostly amazing. However, the other day he had an episode, you know, when he came back in, he I'm learning all this about bipolar. You know, he cleaned everything out and, you know, threw away everything in sight. You know, like I just bought a rug and it's in the garbage. And then, you know, and so he needs that order. But he did have an episode, um, uh, a kind of break. So he's high functioning and then broke. And uh, right now doesn't feel safe talking to my son or I. So there is no conversation except through 
other friends and family around him. He just, the big thing is he's an alternative vegan, so smart, studied Buddhism, can run circles around any topic in the world. But I have never admitted that he really, I think, has this disease and he would be so much happier. And I'm not a med person at all. But I just think that maybe he would, if he would open up, you know, maybe he would uh, have a happier life. I appreciate this. I, you know, obviously I'm not a medical doctor and I don't know Mm -hmm. uh, about bipolar. When you've talked to doctors, has he been to a doctor and what have doctors advised? Yeah, he's not going to medical doctors. Again, his our our whole vehicle has been alternative. And I know that this is a hard question because it's not cut and dry and not, you know, and again, I'm, you know, you're managing working during a pandemic with against this, but there's nothing more important to me than uh, my kids. And um, so I'm not sure, um, you know, I'm not sure how to, do you let someone have their time? Do you let them come to you? Do you let them, you know, have their safe space? Do you go through other people that you find a safety? What do you find moves someone who is a complete no into, uh, especially around something as, as hard as this, into yeah, that, openness? Yeah. That, yeah uh, so this is, you know, so again, no uh, cut and dry hair. I'll just offer, uh-huh. you're very empathic um, and I can feel the compassion. And I think leading with that sense of caring, the um, always there, um, you know, not, no conditionality, right? Just unconditional and just sharing that and helping and seeing that that lands and that your positive intention for your son's well-being, that he does intellectually really, really get that and feels that. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, to me, like what you can do. And, and it may not be received the way you want, but to do your best to say, I, you know, want more than anything for you to flourish, um, to feel great about yourself, um, to be happy, you know, the basic things. And I want to support mm-hmm. you um, and see what he says. And then... That's beautiful. That's helpful. Thank you. That is helpful. Says. And then, you know, you might say... So it's just pause. So there's no rushing. And then be honest with me. Have I done things in the past that haven't, that haven't been helpful for you? You know, knowing that I'm trying to, but, you know, I don't really know. And give him a chance to say how could, you know, what has happened? How, how, what could he ask of you? So give him some driver's seat. What could you do? Mm. And who knows? Your vulnerability to say, look, I, I, I get, I, I may have, you know, thinking I was helping and not helped. And I've never really asked you. And I'm here, I'm here to open and listen. And you just say, thank you for any input. There's no conversation, mm-hmm. about you just thanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And no, that's and, really helpful, especially unconditional side of it that you just said, you know, just coming from that love of unconditional and security for him to know that with no judgments is helpful. Yeah. And then we think with family, it takes a village and also don't put pressure on you because as a parent, lots of times the same information from, you know, I'll just use the aunt or the you know, uncle or whatever, 
lands differently. So if we're here to serve your son, it's not about you. I know it's not about you. But so perhaps information is better delivered through another conduit. There's no ego on your part. You're like whatever serves your son. And so be open that that might be the case. And sometimes that's, I think that can be hard for parents. I think everybody intellectually gets it, but it still emotionally can feel a bit you know, tough, like how, you know, can't get my kid to listen to me. It must be something wrong with me. And that, you know, I, I can see that dialogue. So let me just pause there. What's landing for you? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a perfect strategy. I do. And I really appreciate your help. I will, uh, through this Thanksgiving, remain open and loving and unconditional and let him find his way with uh, organizing the village around him. To, to guide him. So thank you. That sounds great. I appreciate your joining me. You know how to reach me. Um, yes. If there's any way I can be of support, uh, don't hesitate. And I thank you for being part of the solution and have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your, uh, with your family. Thank you. So be well. Take care. Okay, now we're going to go clear across the Atlantic, and I'm welcoming Cyril from Switzerland, one of my favorite countries. Cyril, welcome. Hi, Molly. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate your joining me. One of my, um, literally my favorite places, I have relatives there, and I I dream of of, uh, spending time there whenever we can fly. Um, Okay, what uh, situation, what um, topic might I help you with today? Well, um, I'm working as a senior executive in the financial services and also as an advisor and sometimes as a small investor uh, in young technology startups. So most of my time in my role, I'm actively listen, listening to people which I manage directly or the entrepreneurs of my portfolio companies. And uh, these conversations very often I'm interested in about status reports, about results, about upcoming or actual issues they have uh, in doing their business. And what I realize very often the feedback I get is always very positively, everything is doing well, uh, the company, the startup is doing great, we have a lot of uh, things to to report in the next upcoming weeks. And I honestly, with the experience I have in all the startups uh, or also in the financial industry, most often uh, these reports are, well, let's say, very filigreed uh, in a very positive way. And I know that it's not the full truth, that there are issues behind. Now, I in the past often confront the people then directly and said, well, I don't believe that. I, I don't think that everything is that positive as you tell me. Uh, but obviously you can uh, often uh, frustrate people then a bit. Their whole enthusiasm they need is then gone. If you, if you unveil uh, their untruth or that they are not accurate with the reporting, and I'm wondering how to open up such conversation to make sure that people really tell you what's going on, what, that they really tell you what the issues are. Because in the end, as an investor or as an executive, you don't really can help 
people if they don't tell you the truth or the, the, the reality as it is. And uh, finally, you always then lose the trust in these people, which then causes the next step of problems. Uh, so I'm wondering how such conversation could be opened up in such weekly or bi-weekly or monthly uh, meetings I have. Yes, yes. I appreciate this and I have a big smile because this comes up a lot and happens all the time and I can imagine a lot of listeners are nodding their heads. So thank you for bringing it up. I'm going to handle it two ways. One is ideal and if you have a chance to set something up at the beginning and another is kind of in a situation where you're dropped in and you haven't had the set up. So in that you have a long-term relationship with the folks you're working with, part of what you can do is set up for everyone what, you know, how do we want to be so that we really do the best for the organization, right? And so everyone's aligned on wanting to do the best and clarifying roles and um, what they can expect from you and what you expect from them is great. And it's a co-creation thing. So I think the conversation is let's figure out a way where we communicate and interact in a way that we can really get the truth out there. And you can start to say, I mean, there's a way to do it where say what atmosphere is going to help us to flourish. And they might just say, well, what do you mean? Like, well, open communications, sharing bad news. And so there's a chance to work it back and forth as opposed to kind of unloading on them all the things that one might want. And then as a part of that process, it might be, okay, I have a role of um, maybe I'm going to play the skeptic role. So let them know I'm, my job is to push back and that's something that I'm going to do. Your job is to really be upfront. And I want, we want bad news to travel faster. And so the normalization and the conversation about Tufts news, uh, missing deadlines, the fact that you're bringing that up because we know that's going to happen, right? So bring it up and say, and what I'm going to do is say, thank you for letting me know. Imperative, and for mm-hmm. folks who are leading teams that are intact teams, as well as advisors, know that how you respond immediately influences whether they feel good about sharing that or not. So if your brow wrinkles and your forehead wrinkles and you look at them in an accusing kind of way when bad news comes up, that's not helpful. And it sometimes mm-hmm. is a very natural you're like, oh, bad news. So how do you respond to bad news, Cyril, is really a huge opportunity. So let me pause first. Is okay. that making sense? Yes, absolutely. So you mean to set up, in a way, certain guidelines or an environment when you start such meetings with people uh, in the very beginning to, to set certain guidelines how to interact yeah, and it can be as a relationship or in a meeting. Okay. Yeah, and I think the the intention is here you are, like here we are. We want this organization to be wildly successful. That's a shared goal, you know, whatever the shared goal is. And we individually want to grow and be our best. You know, find mm-hmm. out what aligns the team. Um, and not in a mushy way, but in a very concrete way, because we have things we could do. Everyone has choices they can make. And, you know, here you are, you really believe in them, you want them to be helpful. And then saying, you know, part of what we all need to do is not just me, Cyril, but all of us need to create this space. You heard about safe space in the last caller, safe space where we can really be honest, Mm -hmm. really be honest. And, you know, I like to use 
you know, my friend Gary Ridge, who heads up WD40, coined learning moments, not mistakes. We don't make mistakes. We have learning moments. And of course, we don't want to make the same mistakes over. You don't want to have the same learning moment. So your point is, let's make new mistakes. If we're making new mistakes and pushing it, that's a great thing. And know that this is, for most people and teams, a newer habit. That's not the most normal thing. The normal thing is everything is great. It's even better than great. You know? it's, and yeah. so you've got you've to help people realize that we understand that that might be something that people are inclined to do and help them appreciate that when we do that, if we're exaggerating, if we're not fully honest, we're actually not helping the organization. Now, we're never bad people. It's not about bad people. It's about the effect um, on, on whatever goal you're trying to uh, reach. So, mm-hmm. and I uh, encourage the conversation and the back and forth. You have a point of view on what, you know, if you will, great interaction, high performing looks like. They have a point. So, you, this is a great opportunity to literally collaborate. And then you can document a few things just to help people think about that. And, you know, bad news travels fast, assuming positive intention. You know, those are things that reinforce trust. And you as, as you know, the advisor are in a privileged position. So they're going to be a little, you know, nervous. Say, look, at, I, I see what we're doing. I agree. I just disagree. But not making it personal, helping them see that the learning is going on with positivity. So you can have bad things happen and turn them into a positive thing. I'm not saying being unrealistic or cheerleading, you know what I'm saying? Not being disgenuine, disingenuous, but to realize that it's good, it's good that we know because now we can deal with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So now the thing is, if you're in a meeting whereby you haven't had a chance to set up the norms and you're like, you're thinking this is never going to work, right? You're like, this is totally not going to work. So I can see, especially for folks who can see it, it's very easy to blurt it out. Okay, that's never going to work. So, and yeah. that may be very true. That's to- you totally have your right to say that. I don't believe it's going to work. I think you're over-exaggerating. Totally fair. Um, I think the opportunity is first to exhale within oneself and be like, okay, let me just exhale if I'm kind of thinking this is ridiculous. You got to exhale ridiculous. You have to inhale. Uh, I would offer um, an attitude of being genuinely curious, genuinely curious, mm-hmm. not in a leading way. Say, wow, wow, that's kind of surprising to me. So that shows that you're not necessarily fully on board, but it's not accusing. Help me understand how you got there. Anything that's okay. a question that gives the ball back to them. How did you think about okay. that? I'm seeing these numbers. I see these numbers as X. You know, what am I missing? So I know it may be faster. Okay, this is wrong, la, la, la. <laughs> but to give them a moment to get back and forth so that they can problem solve for themselves. So let me pause there. Is that landing? Yes, Absolutely. Okay, what, uh, anything else that's frustrating for you in these situations? Um, no, it's, it's really more about getting only half of the information and everything is so positive. And as we all know, things are not just positive. There is always uh, another side. And uh, 
it would make it often much easier to know a bit earlier that things are not easy because where is the issue to say it's very difficult, it's very difficult to attract new clients or more, uh, let's say, supplier for certain startups uh, to put them on the platform and, and things are always so positive. Oh, we have we had a meeting there. It was great. And they give you give us feedback by next week. And then uh, we are very positive about. But you know, from experience, it's not that easy. Otherwise, everyone would do the same and be successful and and this sometimes i consider it then a bit as a waste of time uh also some often written reports about what's going on in this portfolio companies and in a way you would like to say you know what don't don't sell me everything that positive just tell me the truth that that i can be added value because if everything is great i don't need to do anything right Right. So this is great. So let's just take this as one example. And I think if this is, let's say it's happened for a month's worth of meetings, right? So a way to mm-hmm. raise this is, you know, I'm noticing that, and I, and, and I think starting with appreciation at the beginning as team, wow, really acknowledge and with startups are working around the clock, they're often not getting paid very much. So while we all know that, Hearing from someone, appreciate what you're doing, appreciate specifically what they're um, going through is really great to connection. And I just want to encourage everyone, starting that way is always a good thing, right? Just acknowledging Mm -hmm. the human effort and and what they're doing and honoring the person, right? That's before the work. Mm -hmm. Then I'm noticing, gosh, we had committed to this deadline and we missed it this week. We committed again, missed it this week. So whatever the facts are in a non-judging way, Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of wondering to what extent we were holding back information that really needs to get out there. And I just want to go on record saying I apologize if I'm doing anything that indicates that I don't want to hear whatever some of the hardships or some of the struggles are. Pause. Mm hmm. And then just you can see how, and so, and then you can ask if you need, you know, on a scale of one to 10, really, you know, how is this going? And so when you're mm-hmm. good, great, no, one to 10, because 10 is like, it's going to happen a hundred percent. Nine is 90%, mm-hmm. eight is 80%. So that kind of thing can help normalize for folks and just realize that again, it is a new habit. So when people go there, just over, be over enthusiastic. This is so great. I'm so delighted to get a sense of what's really going on here. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that. And it takes a while mm-hmm. to unpack that. So I'll pause. Okay. Uh, any follow-up questions, Cyril? No, thank you very much. I think this helps me quite a bit now to plan probably for after Thanksgiving to set up uh, the meetings. That's great. Do you have one particular top takeaway from our conversation? Well, I think the the top takeaway for me is to set up the meetings in a way and to make the introduction to clearly remind them what my role is. Uh, my role is not to be the judge uh, there to decide whether it's good or bad. I'm there to help, and uh, I only can help if I have the whole picture with the, with the problems we have, but also with the things which work very well. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. Please let me know how it goes. And if I can be more help, yeah. I'm happy to. I appreciate you calling in. And thank you, Cyril, for being part of the solution. You take good care. Okay, if uh, you're listening and you have a question that's coming to your mind, I would love for you to call in and you can do that at 866-472-5790. If you're um, overseas, International Collect is country code 1-480-398-3352. And now we're heading over to the Windy City in Chicago and I welcome Roger. Roger, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hello. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fabulous talking to you, my friend. Um, what, uh, what challenging conversation or situation is on your mind? Well, for me, um, you know, I have over 20 plus years in professional experience, uh, actually going on 23 years to be exact. And in my current role, actually, it's a dual role. And across the uh, industry, I did an analysis. And based on my role compared to my counterparts in other areas of the United States, uh, make probably about 30 to 40% more than I do. And they're not even a dual role. So one role of mine can be among other places, other companies, along with the other parts, same thing. Mine is merged together uh, simply because of the uh, corporate entity that we have, uh, obviously based on what they have budgeted and what they finance is all of what is available. And so with my amount of experience and the caseload of things, as an executive in my position, um, I'm looking at how I can go about seeking some form of like opportunity of an increase in salary, not to, you know, be abrasive about it, but how to present it because doing an industry analysis based on what I'm making now, it's like way under the, uh, the amount. And I find myself, you know, obviously spending weekends working more because I'm trying to play catch up because when I'm in the office, uh, I get pulled everywhere. And it's like, if it's not reports, it's other aspects of meetings that go sometimes longer than they should. And so it, it just, uh, I love what I do, but I truly believe in my heart. It's like, I would like to see some form of like, uh, salary increase or, uh, or basically separate the two roles and allow me to continue the one that uh, perhaps I can flourish at. And then in my department, I oversee um, three employees. I would combine the position that I have as, this, as the other part with my one employee who would basically be doing the same thing. So, uh, just want to get your feedback on that and what approach and how I should present it. It wouldn't be too much as far as the company itself, but um, how I can speak to corporate about it just because, you know, obviously I'm the only one in the entire country region that has a dual role, but has a salary that is the same of someone with just one job. 
one role compared to me having two. Got it. Got it. Thank you for sharing this and kudos for loving what you do because that's a huge win and I want everyone listening to love what they do. So good job getting to a place where you, um, you really love what you're working on. Roger, how do you feel, uh, how did you feel when you learned that you're, according to the analysis which you did, which is super, that you're um, underpaid? How, how did that make you feel? I was, uh, it almost feels like my, not one, but two degrees in all of the years that I spent working professionally, it's, uh, and, he, and what's required of me, it doesn't match. Um, and it, it made me feel somewhat, uh, not insignificant, but, you know, you put forth your best effort and the reciprocative um, feedback of it is, it's commendable, but as far as the extent of where you feel, you feel like you deserve more. And for me, I just, um, I, 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 it's like, it's like, a, it's not a mental fatigue, but it's just like, I'm being asked to do all of these things, but I'm not the type of person that just sits still be like, okay, whatever it is, whatever it be will be. No, I feel that you should get, compensated for what you for the work you put in and um that's how i feel putting forth your best effort and sometimes i go above and beyond to you know take things into consideration work hard for other people who may need help pulling their own weight in their role um it's like um i over deliver but in return i'm under promise and that's how i feel yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but let me know. Is it is there a sense of feeling underappreciated, a sense of being not maybe intentionally but taken advantage of? Yeah, it's a it's a part of that. And I, I and um however when I came into this role, my former director who recently got promoted to another uh location in the country they were uh, persistent in bringing me in at a higher pay, which they obviously did everything possible, and they did. Because had I had what I was initially going to come in with, it would have been rather, it would have been very insulting. Uh, but what they fought for me to get this higher, which was great, and I'm very appreciative of it. But what I see now is, you know, okay, you're asking me to do uh, a number of different things, and I feel that I should be able to receive more. It's not that I, and I don't take, for me, I don't do anything less than. I give my 110% effort because for me, I'm, I'm a man of God, a man of faith, and so that's who I'm ultimately working for. But I know in my heart, I know the Lord above wants me to definitely speak up and say, you know, what I feel that I rightfully deserve. And, uh, and you're right about that. It's 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 a it's a, it's a little bit of under dealing underappreciated. Great. I appreciate the dialogue for listeners. It's really important to just get in good relationship with yourself. How does this make you feel? Right? I um I think that, you know, you're you're working for a higher cause, which is fantastic. And, you know, I guess it, the reason this is important is it 
it shows to yourself how much are you willing to go at it for yourself. And I know that seems kind of crazy, but I think lots of times other people are expecting other people to pave the way. And, you know, you want to look within in the mirror and say, okay, Roger's here to do the right thing for Roger. And that's really great. So I want to applaud you on that. Um, Roger, my next question is, on a scale of one to 10, to what extent do you feel that management would want to, I'll just loosely call it, do the right thing? 10 is they would absolutely want to make the right thing happen. Where, where would you put them? We repeat that question once again. Somebody came to my yes. door in my office. Hold on. Can you repeat no problem. That no problem. On a scale of one to 10, to what extent does the organization, does corporate want to do the right thing and get you to the right comp, whatever that is, right? 10 is like definitely would want Roger to, to be at the right number and to feel good about it. Um, I'm kind of getting a sense for how much the organization values getting folks at what we think is the right salary. I'm, I'm neutral. I would say it's in the middle, like a five. Um, okay. and, I, and I'm not the only one. There's been a significant turnover rate um, within the organization just because of the, ob- the experience and the things that we have to handle. And it's not within the place in which I'm working. It's the corporate entity that I understand that companies have, you know, we, we're contracted and they have to work by certain means, but the turnover rate has been astronomical over the last couple of years here. And wow. um, I myself love where, I, where I'm at. I plan on, I'm not going anywhere. Just that I, I want to be the voice that speaks up. Perhaps others are afraid to say something, but I'm not. Fantastic. I appreciate you wanting to help the whole. This is fantastic. So just um, so I have it clear, is the initial conversation, let's say, with a direct manager, is it just give me a little bit of the org structure? Who would you want to approach first? So it would probably, so um, the person that was in this position, I had a conversation with them yesterday, and actually they are my mentor because they got promoted to this corporate uh, office uh, over on the East Coast. And we were talking yesterday during our one-on-one each week we get together because they want me to flourish. They want me to do well. And I did bring this up to them as well. And one of the things that they suggested is my annual review uh, with it coming up in March of next year. And, um, you know, basically presenting a portfolio of accomplishments both on, in both dual roles. However, with the, with the pandemic, it uh, didn't allow us access to a number of uh, clientele and so forth because of we're mostly doing everything virtually. So but I feel as though this, it, it, should, it still should apply, regardless if certain things have changed a bit, because the same work effort has to be applied in which I've been doing. And so that's the best way that they could present it to me at the moment. And, uh, but versus waiting until March and anticipating that there'll be some form of like a upgrade. I'd rather, you know, act on and see what role that I can take now to see, okay. you know, whether or not they're, they would move or budge on it or something of that nature. Okay. So now I'm going to get really super specific. So one quick thing. So 
Is it common knowledge? Do you feel like the management knows the roles that you're doing? Like, is there transparency of the work that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Okay. So what do you want to have happen? Well, I'm a writer and I can put anything in writing as far as um, with the letterhead requesting um, that form of like uh, what I'm looking to acquire. And even though I'm, uh, I've been with the organization since November of last year, but of course I got promoted from one role in a different department to this one, Mm -hmm. which went from November to March. And then, of course, my annual review for this role will be in March. So I would, de- and it was a lateral move. So they couldn't do anything as far as upgrade my salary. And I felt that it should have been because I only had one role in the other department. So um, I don't know how to truly go about presenting the argument if I should need, if I need to do it verbally, or um, or if I need to do it more along the lines of you know, putting together a portfolio, documentation, written letter, uh, that sort of thing. I'm, I just need to know if it's premature for me to act on it or just wait until my annual review to obviously bring it up and present the information. So hopefully anticipating that, uh, letting them know that based on my industry analysis, um, I'm 30% under salary based on what's across the board. Let's net this out and crisp it up, okay? So is this a particular boss? Let's let's just, you can create a name for you want, or is it a management team? Like the appeal is to your immediate boss, the dual role boss? It would be, um, I can bring it up to my director, but of course with them, it would be left up to the, um, my mentor who was in this role with with them being a corporate I can present this information to them and then um, they can reach out to their boss who is all you know, over all of the actual um, uh, department leads with the one part of my role across the country. It would be two different uh, directors I would position this for. So in versus one, it would be two. Okay, great. So let's just say these two directors. And so, um, I understand that you're writing. I, you know, I, you sound like you you're very comfortable talking to people. You have a sense of where you're at, and so I think the the situation is, you know, I call that the whether whatever your favorite newspaper is, but the, the reporting. Hey, you know, I'd like to talk about I'll have a compensation conversation so that we're on the same page. I know that you know you folks want people to feel valued. Um, I appreciate all the support that I'm getting and I really love working here. I also know that you would want to have all employees honored and feeling like um, the compensation is commensurate to the work that's done. So a statement of positive intention, like, you know, and and that you know that they want the right thing to happen. And then as, as I understand and you start, you know, and I, and I think I could see this, you know, you have some notes, but you have some talking points. You know, I, I went out and did a little bit of an assessment. So let me clarify. Here's the job that I'm doing. Are you back and forth? You got it? Okay. So then you're, you're with, they're with you. And then here's a, a little bit of, of compensation assessment. Here's how I did it. And so for me, what came out of this is to me, it looks like 
that my salary is under by quite a bit. So you're just kind of talking through the scenario. You're not making any big asks. No one's bad. No one's right. You're just kind of helping deal with what I call the shared reality of the facts of the situation. So let me pause here. Is that making sense? That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you are not sheepish, not timid, not arrogant. You're just saying, hey, Mm -hmm. I know that we would all want to know and be dealing with the facts as the facts are. So I'm just here to just put it out there. Um, and so once you get to that, see where they're at. Now, they may say, oh, my goodness, no idea. Okay. And that's at least you start to see where they're at. Now, let's just say great scenario is, oh, my goodness, this can't happen. And, you know, ide- you know ideally, you'd see them say, look, we need to address this. You might say, well, what, what would addressing it look like for you? So they may think, well, we get them like 10% more, that'd be better. So you start to align on what they might be asking for, right? You may get, oh my God, there's no money, Roger, we can't do it. So that sounds like you've been shut down, right? Wow, that's, mm-hmm. that would be disappointing. Um, may I uh, ask a bit about other ways we might think about this? So try to open the door a little bit. And I'm not saying they would slam the door. It doesn't sound like that to me. So nudge the door open a bit. And then get into a conversation. And this is where, that's why I asked you how you feel. If this were happening to you, Mr. and Mrs. Director, how would you feel? Okay. I don't think this is going to be a big stretch. I mean, no one wants to be 30% below. But that might be a way to personalize it for the boss so that they're, they're more open. So just like the previous caller, the ability to ask questions, not in an annoyed or judging way, but in a genuine, mm-hmm. you know, how, if this were you, how would you feel? And then I think, right. you know, how can I help? And then to the extent, and I see what I hear from you is you're willing to reconstruct your job. You're willing to do all sorts of things. So you're trying to figure out how you can influence them. So when I said, what do you want? You need to know what you want. I want to get X and keep this job is my first priority. My second priority is, you know, this, my third part, you need to be clear on that, Roger, because they, you need, they ask you, you can't be like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you need to know what you want. Okay. And this, I, I mean, we're kind of joking about it, but I think lots of times people haven't gotten there. I'm like, look at, you're in this big meeting now. You have to have a point of view and have it substantiated and come so that you can come across in a confident, positive way about it. Right. So I'm pausing. How's this land? How's this landing for you? What's going on in your in your mind? I love the approach in reference to what you highlighted, and that was personalize it for them and give it to them as though how would you feel if you were in my shoes? If you, with all of your what you've attained and what you work towards, you know. You know, putting putting the ownership in reference to having them think in regards to if it were the, were them, what would you do about it? And I and I truly believe when you give it to them to think about, like, wow, you know what, I would be definitely doing what you're doing right now. And so um, I always say, ask a question with a question. So if they say, well, why are you looking? I say, well, to me, I was like, how would you feel if you were in my position, or if you ever been? Did you ever, when did you and your career 
perhaps uh, speak up about something you saw that you felt you were rightfully entitled to because of the work effort and experience that you put in. And it makes them think and wonder, well, you've got a point. Nice, nice. Now, you know, with all this, say it skillfully, the energy, the attitude that you show up with is so influential. So having had this, can you think of an energy or two? How would you want to show up, Roger, that would best serve the conversations you want to have? Yeah, uh, come with... uh and uh, come with an anticipated attitude of empathy because I wouldn't want to show like, uh, 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 oh, I'm seeking sympathy from you because of what I have going on and why I'm underpaid. No, look at it from an empathetic standpoint to approach it like, you know, share similar stories. I mean, anyone in a higher level position at some point started off entry level and went through their career and had frustrations along the way. So it's like being able to collaborate and share the same experience. And I could say, hey, what did you do when you ran across this particular situation or did you ever happen to experience and what did you do about it? Because if this approach that I'm coming to you about isn't working, then what approach would did you take in order to get what you wanted? Maybe that's something that I can try. You know, give them the thing because you, and I truly believe when you do that, that's showing how much you respect them in their role and it's genuine. It's not coming off abrasive or give me this or I'm, I don't, I'm out not do this, that sort of thing. It shows that you appreciate them and you value them, their humanity as well as their professional place, but also at the same time you paint a very empathetic picture of, you know, obviously having them work alongside with you as a colleague and not just someone over you or someone nice. under you. Nice. The empathy is always a win. And then I'll add for you, people can feel a bit on their toes, like I'm not really sure, or, you know, I'm not, we can't do it. And be, show up with the positivity and the self-assuredness that we're going to get to a great answer. Okay, we don't know what the answer is, but that doesn't matter. But that you show up with that notion of I know that they're going to do their best, I know I'm going to do my best. And that, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, that starts with you. That starts with you. So definitely lean into that, that you're excited to have this conversation. And, you know, I heard you say that they have had a lot of turnover. That's also part of the situation. And saying, you know, as someone who wants to stay, you want this place to be a magnet for more, for bringing more people in, not have people leaving. Right. right? And, and the so that, that have left, you know, obviously we're, we're good people. Like, like, wow, we lost some very key people. And uh, when some, when the other portion of those businesses and once the things are uprising, they'll say, well, what happened to this person? Or where where did your director go? What happened? And that's going to possibly be a, a huge surprise to a number of people uh, because yeah. of the changes of staff and uh, and everything. Okay. Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10 right now, how... How um, confident are you that you can prepare and have the conversation the way you want to have it? Let me think. Rephrase it. Rephrase it On a scale again. of 1 to 10, how, how prepared, how ready do you feel 
that you could go and have this conversation the way you want to have it. 10 is like, I know how I want to go about doing it. I feel like I can go have the conversation the way I want to have it. Eight might be, I'm just an 80%. Where would you be? I'm at about an eight and a half. I feel because coming in before the call, I was around a four or five. But now I'm like an eight and a half. Now it's just me putting the strategy together and, and practicing in the mirror or articulating how I want to present it. And um, because in two weeks I'll have my meeting again with my one-on-one with the corporate, um, my corporate mentor who was in this role and share with her about what I would like to do. And this is how I want to present it and um, see if uh, she can, you know, obviously execute that plan for me to speak to her, uh, her, her head director within this, areas of the department to see if there can be some uh, opportunities to talk. Uh, well, of course, we'll have to do it virtually, uh, but of course, uh, see what happens from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. I am cheering for you, and that's huge progress in a short amount of time. So if there's anything else I can do, Roger, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, I am cheering for you, and I look forward to uh, how this unfolds. Thank you so much, Molly. I really appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm cheering for you, Roger. You take good care. You too. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. (laughs) Okay, I have time now for one scenario. And um, this one... uh, wasn't asked of me. It's something that I read in social media. And um, someone had posted that the VP elect had nominated or appointed a lesbian chief of staff. And there was an article. And the first couple comments, um, one was, if the president-elect announced, I appointed a straight male chief of staff and, you know, kind of a, you know, a comment like, what's up with that? Why, why would you have to include that someone was lesbian? And someone then chimed in, yes, you know, we should just be focusing on people. Um, and for me and how I read that, I could feel the edge in these folks. Um, and from the pictures, I would just say, look to me like white male, white female, uh, and the whole thing was a bit ironic for me, frankly, because um, for me, there was a lack of, of empathy that uh, for folks who are in a dominant group, it may not be so natural to appreciate what the non-dominant group feels. And I'm not blaming anyone for that. I think it's a natural thing. Um, so while it isn't you know, something to solve for, if one were in the situation, I think on a one-on-one, I might offer that, gosh, you know, I, it's great that you're chiming in here. I'd wish for a tone of curiosity and thinking, huh, why is that? Why would that be written? Not in a judging way, but to really be genuinely open, why is that? And you know, I, th- I think when folks aren't in the usual and they're not in the mainstream, and it's, it's, it's hard for them to kind of help other people appreciate what that's like. Um, so it might be, you know, I, I saw you chimed in there on that post. I'm wondering if, if I were a lesbian, how do you think your, land, your words would land for me? 
again, no judging, um, no attitude. I think what we could potentially do is just in the slightest way, in a 2% way, perhaps that person can just consider what it might be like for someone whose life they don't really know. Um, and to just even have the, the epiphany, like, you know what, I don't even know what that would be like. Um, and I, I think the way to honor, I think it's terrific to share thoughts. It would be great to do so in a way where people hear you in a way that helps with understanding. Uh, and one might say, you know, I, I respect you. I know you. I, I, I feel a sense of judgment there. And I'm, not, I'm wondering if that's not really helpful in the world that we're in today. So I, I say this not to be political, but to, um, to offer for folks, for those who, and I think, um, you know, we're all kind of in dominant, non-dominant groups in different ways. And just to consider, you know, when is it that you've been the one in 20 or one in 50 or one in 100? When are you in the 99 of 100? And just to, to think about that and to be more aware about that and to put yourself in other people's shoes. Um, okay, so if you haven't yet, there is more help for you to find your voice, one that's authentic and effective to you. On my website, sayitskillfully.com, you can sign up on my mailing list. And now we can have a chance to have a one-on-one -on -one Say It Skillfully session, which would be super, super fun. And my thought for the week from author, artist, and photographer, Doi Zantamata, through judging, we separate. Through understanding, we grow. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.